And welcome to episode 14 of the SF in Translation podcast. I'm Rachel Cordasco. And I'm Daniel Hauser. This episode will include news and updates from April 1st through April 30th. And it's been a busy month. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, how are you doing? I am just, it's, the weather is horrible and I drank coffee and tea and my brain's still not working today so hopefully this uh this episode will you know will wake us up yeah i mean the weather keeps fluctuating a lot here and that always does like tremendous damage to my sinuses and my brain yeah so it's been like really cold but then really really warm and humid right. and back to cold again <laughs> i so. know i'm just a mess lousy smarch weather smarch yeah S simpsons reference Oh man, I've seen every episode and I didn't get that. Hmm. It's a Halloween one, I think. The one that's on the shinning. Oh, <laughs> they like show up for the PTA meeting or something <laughs> to debate about the the bad calendars that they got. <sighs> and Homer's like lousy smart weather because they added an extra month to the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love The Simpsons, man. If only they had an episode about SF and translation, wouldn't that be good? You know, they say Simpsons has done it at all, and I don't think they've done that yet. So they have not done it all. So they have not they have not done it all yet, because they're missing Bam. out on a huge universe. Seriously. What's wrong with them? Well, anyway. So, at least a lot more went on in April, SFT-related. Um, so we've got all kinds of good stuff to talk about. Mm -hmm. And a lot dropped already for May, too. Ugh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, but we won't talk about that. We're just going to talk about April. So, should we dive right into the books? Yeah, sure. All right. So, there were several that came out. Um, a few novels and a few collections. So, the first one is Waste Tide um, by Chen Chufan. And translated by Ken Liu, um, from Tor. And I, I mean, um, you know, anyone listening to this, unless they're not on Twitter or Facebook or like the internet at all, you're, you have to have heard about Waste Tide because <laughs> it's just, it's just everywhere. Did you have plans to read this, Daniel? I think. I feel like you said you were, but I couldn't remember. I mean, it would interest me perhaps, but there's other ones that have come out prior. Mm -hmm. And so I still want to read those at some point. There's just been so much Chinese sci-fi that has come out. I know. I, I can't keep up with it. And so like even begin to. And so there's just so much that it's it's to the point where I don't know where to begin. So I'm just not going to begin. Yeah. Well, I I think... <laughs> Chen has had many stories out, uh, you know, in, in invisible planets and broken stars. Um, you know, Ken Liu is, you know, his translator, you know, and this is his first, you know, novel length, right. uh, work. And 
I reviewed it. It's, you know, my review's, uh, going to be in, um, World Lit today in the next issue. And, uh, you know, I, it's just, there's so much going on. It's, it's like about globalization and, um, you know, the perils and pitfalls of, of, uh, runaway globalization. You know, they, they talk about economic hitmen, which I didn't even know what that was until like 10 years ago. Um, but apparently now, like, everybody knows what it is, but, you know, the, the, you know, Americans or, you know, even just people from the West, you know, going into, you know, quote, you know, developing nations or anything that's not the West and being like, do this, do that, you know, and, uh, cause, cause we say so and it's good for you. And, and then it winds up just wrecking, you know, a whole, a country's entire economy. And, you know, Waste Tide is also about like, you know, the e-waste business, you know, where, you know, your, your cell phone's dead or your computer's dead and you, you know, you recycle it, but like it actually goes to places like Silicon, you know, Silicon Isle. That's depicted in waste, waste tide and, you know, people like really like low wage laborers, um, you know, are, are like picking out, you know, the, the rare earth metals and, and, and everything to, to, you know, to kind of recycle them to use in other things. And they're getting paid like barely anything and it's like toxic and hazardous, but, you know, it's sent over to these countries because it's cheaper, you know, cheaper labor. And so, I mean, you know, he like, he brings up so many different, and then of course there's the whole like biological artificial hybridization, you know, you know, he talks about consciousness fusing with uh, some sort of robotic technology and um, what that does to the brain. And it, it, there's so much in this novel. Oh, that's yeah, that's right. That's why I was interested in looking into into what it had. Yeah, there's so much going on. I don't know if it's trying to do too much. Like, that's what I was wondering. It was trying to do too much at one point. But it, his stories are just brilliant, like his short stories. And I think maybe it's just a matter of, you know, writing some more novels and just kind of like seeing how, you know, how much to put into each one. Like, I don't know. I, I Obviously, I've never, I've never written a novel, so I don't know. But, um... I feel like the novel could have been so much longer or it could have been more focused, but it's still pretty brilliant. So, mm -hmm. oh, you pl you've read plenty. So, even if you haven't. Yeah, and I it's like and I love his stuff, you know, like it's like I'm not going to say that Waste Tide is like my most favorite novel ever ever ever, but um but it is definitely up there. It's it's good stuff. And yeah, so that's that's about Waste Tide. So, you have plans to read The Weight of Snow in English or in French? I got the French, the original French language through Interlibrary Loan. I don't, I'm still trying to, I want to get through Vestige first. And so I doubt I'll be able to, but I kind of was curious because both of the French, the other one I'll get to later, both of them kind of intrigued me this month. Um, and so this one's actually from Quebec written in French, of course. And so, yeah, just looking at them briefly, they looked intriguing. And because of French, I was definitely interested. So I grabbed both of those to kind of look through now. Yeah, I mean, I only know <laughs> that The Weight of Snow is is kind of is like, 
I'm not sure it's exactly a sequel, prequel, or even in the same universe. I think it's in the same universe as um, the author. His name is uh, Christian Guay-Polycan. So I, I, it's somehow in that universe. And I read Running on Fumes uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. I have to say, again, I wouldn't say that it was like my most favorite um, novel, but it is unlike anything. Mm-hmm. That I've that I've read. It's is that one dystopian or post apocalyptic in any way? Well, it's a it's it's apocalyptic. It's very like vaguely a post apocalyptic. Yeah, and it mix and the and you, and it's mixed with Greek mythology. So it's like the Minotaur, but in post apocalyptic Canada with like like it's it's very much like everything's kind of crumbling. So like Mister Robot kind of thing like everything's crumbling and it's going kind of slowly but then it's it's just everything and you know and and next thing you know you're like where is everybody everything's just kind of falling apart and then this guy's driving trying to get to his dad and he like encounter you know it's almost like a almost like a road it's like a road novel you know but but through this like wasteland and weird things are happening, but it's so it's very muted. It's it's just it's weird and it's definitely a unique. So I'm I I want to get the weight of snow. I don't even have it, like, but I really want to. I really want to read it. So I'd love to be able to for for these. I mean, I just feel because I can actually read it in French. I feel it would be useful, or I would be useful in being able to compare them then yeah that would be that'd be great to be able to read the original text but then also read the translation to get a sense of what was done from both angles and so yeah i looked into this not knowing it there was a previous novel and so when i saw your show notes i went and looked and just reading over like the goodreads comments and reviews in french Mm -hmm. um i got the sense that it's set in the same universe and Mm -hmm. that uh, one person said, basically, it stands on its own, but you're going to get more out of it if you have read the first novel. So there must be things, I don't know whether it be characters or, I mean, they were that vague that there's things that intersect, I guess, but that you don't absolutely have to have read the first one. But this one in particular seems to be about sort of like the oppressiveness and desolation of snow. <laughs> And deals with character that uh, becomes injured and is then being taken care of within, like, effectively a lodge where they're trapped in by the snow, pretty much. Um, and just, yeah, snow all around. And within this, you know, post-apocalyptic village is kind of what the vibe I was getting. So it sounds similar, um, where it's this vaguely sort of post-apocalyptic, desolate landscape um, and dealing with some of the similar themes, but now from the point of view of sort of symbology of uh, snow. I don't want to think about snow anymore after this winter. (laughs) I really don't. No more snow. Okay, well, from the cold, uh, icy tundra of Canada, is Canada, that has tundra, right? In the far north, yes, it does. Okay. Um, So from from Canada to Argentina... You like that? You like that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. It was from smooth. from the cold depths of Canada to the cold depths of space. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Dark constellations. I. I. I also have read that. 
this is interesting. I've read a lot of the books that came out in April. Um, and also I, I reviewed it for World Lit today and, um, it is a, it's a I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's, it's very interesting. It, it combines kind of like a botanist in the night, late 19th century discovering some, some strange things in a, I'm not exactly sure where he is. It might be a forest or something. Something weird is going on with the, with the flora and fauna. And then kind of you jump to the 1980s with, um, with this one guy who is, you know, he's, he's learning to program. He's learning to create virus, uh, you know, computer viruses. He's, you know, he's kind of coming up of age with the internet, you know, kind of like we, we did ourselves. And, um, and then it jumps forward further, like, you know, a couple of decades and to this kind of, kind of world that we find in Waste Tide, interestingly enough, where the author, Pola, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce her last name, Oloixarek, she's also interested in the intersection between the biological and the artificial. Um, but while in Waste Tide, it's how does the artificial kind of invade the biological in in dark constellations it's kind of like how do you turn the artificial into something biological so she's very interested in virus in its double meanings so a computer virus becoming mm -hmm. like functioning like a biological virus in a biological system and it, but the 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 story itself is it sounds like a trip <laughs> it is it is and it might make more sense if you're like uh high on something i don't know <laughs> i'm really not sure because i was not high on anything not that i ever do um but it's just like well it talks here about like hallucinogenic plants and all kinds of so <laughs> it's very yes it's very hallucinogenic like at one point there's a rat that's talking like i don't know it's kind of jumpy and it, there's so many ideas, and I feel like it doesn't... I feel like I want each one of those ideas to be... Yeah, it seems like it has a lot. <laughs> so much going on. I'm telling you, Waste Tide and Dark Constellations, China and Argentina, two <laughs> totally different authors, two totally different parts of the world, and they're both very interested in the same nexus, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and I found that fascinating. And both of them are trying to do a lot in one... In one thing, you know, in, in one package. So, um, I'm, I'm very interested in what other people are going to be saying about, um, dark constellations, but, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm curious to see how the biology holds up. That I have no idea. So, yes, that's, that's for you to tell me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that sounds right. I don't know, you know, uh, <laughs> and then the only, the other one that I was going to mention is Flowers of Mold, um, which is, a collection out from um, Open Letter, uh, one of my favorite presses. And it is, it's one of those um, collections, you know, it's like a lot of these women writing like collections of surrealism that it just seems to be a big thing, like Samantha Schweblin um, and the author of Flowers of Mold and 
there's some in, an Indonesian collection that came out last year. Just a lot of these kinds of things. Um, Mars, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, they're all just kind of a similar type of um, interest. And so I'm going to be reading that. I already have a copy. It's very pretty. Um, it's a really nice cover. It is pretty. <laughs> it's it's almost like Dark Constellations, this kind of um, verdant, kind of flowery cover. You know, um, there's a, there is an excerpt now um, online at Yale Review of Flowers of Mold. If if anybody wants to kind of read it first before you get the book but and so that's a collection so it's right right so it's yeah. an excerpt as in it's like select stories from it it's one story yeah one story mm-hmm. okay it's one story yeah and you know but i'm i i mean if it's open letter it's good so you might as well just get it you know what i mean so <laughs> um another one to the pile i'm, t- I'm sorry like <laughs> i know i know your tbr pile is crazy now but yeah and you know there are a bunch of others that Unfortunately, I never get these ones to review. So yeah, I it's hard getting some of the review books. Like you email and email, and they're like silence. You know, just to mention the other collections that are out. That oh my god, I'm not going to get to them soon. But I wish I could. Is um the Night Circus, uh, which is from Slovakia. Whiskey Tales, which you were going to talk about, mm-hmm. right? Yes. yes. Um, from uh. Belgian author, and okay, yeah, and that's it. So that's all of them. So anything else about books, or should we move on to short stories? No, move on to short stories. And there's quite the list. Yes. So we had um, very different picks. I'm interested in <laughs> in uh, in what you really liked uh, this past month. So uh, within Clark's world. Uh, the one I actually liked best was In Search of Your Memories by Nian Yu, um, translated by Andy Dudak. And so this one, the story dealt with a familiar theme in science fiction of people transferring their consciousness to some sort of technology to extend life beyond the life of the body. And so, like, to a second world or, or second life, basically. But the narrator of this particular story is somebody who works to find and restore memories in clients who have um, had imperfect consciousness uploads. So, during the process, and I found this actually interesting, the story described how it goes through and takes from the brain the sort of patterns of memory or the patterns of electrochemical signaling that make up our brains for actual memories, but it has to filter out things like how to respond when your knee gets bumped against and how to breathe, all the sorts of things that our brain does that aren't actually memory that you wouldn't need to have if you no longer have an actual biological body. And so during that, some things get lost, and it's not 100%. So this the narrator ends up looking into this client and realizes that there's really big memory gaps that are pretty inexplicable and kind of bizarre and starts looking into that further. And so what I found interesting about it is kind of where the story went in terms of why there are these gaps, because it ultimately doesn't come about, it's not about that mystery per se, but when the narrator discovers what's going on, it's more the ethical dilemma of, do I tell the client this? Or is this something that we just say, oh, sorry, we couldn't find things? And so I found that 
an interesting theme to the story, and I, I just really enjoyed how it was written and stuff too. Yeah, I um I mean I like I like that, you know, and it's always an interesting kind of story. I just kept thinking of um Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it's called. And um and just the other like you know it it is it's like a very common kind of it's a common thing mm-hmm. and I'm just like okay ethical dilemma but like the reason why there like the actual reason why the memories were messed up was interesting you know it's kind of an interesting twist um but eh, I don't know you know it's it's is there's certain things that have been done so many times that. Mm-hmm. I'm already like I approach it like oh boy oh boy <laughs> I can get that yeah yeah but no it was very it was good it was still a good story there in general I found the stories this month I don't know if there was maybe one that I just really loved most of them I thought were good but they didn't blow me away per se mm-hmm. yeah so the so Clark's world had had two uh flowering and in search of your memories and uh the flowering by Soyeon Jung uh, was translated from the Korean. So this was the first of the Korean SFT that Clarksold will be publishing this year. Um, it's translated by Jiyun Park and Gord Seller. And I've been talking to Gord Seller. I've talked to him, like, I think on, on social media, you know, years ago, you know, about Korean SFT. Oh, wow. And yeah, so I. Um, yeah, there's a whole blog on it, it seems. Yeah, yeah. So his stuff. So I was really glad to see to see this here. Um, we'll have to remind him about telling us because right. when I checked out his blog, that's where I found yeah things that had come up in the past we never heard about or didn't realize. I don't know why people don't tell me <laughs> things. Here's the, like you know, <laughs> I don't understand. Like you would think that I'd that like my email would now be on you know publishers like lists of just like hey tell her this you know like yeah some some free publicity but anyway um i like the flowering because it was a little bit oh i mean it was a little bit overwritten like there there was there was some just kind of like okay like we get it you know it's talking mm-hmm. on and on and on and on but the the central uh thing about trying to um disrupt you know networks like you know government surveillance of the internet and the censorship and you know by by planting organic routers that bloom like like flowers that disrupt uh government routers you know and and kind of like biologically you know invading kind of the the structure that's already there um, and kind of, you know, kind of like the flowering is, as like a freedom, kind of freedom of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this, this combination of biological and artificial that, that I find just, just really interesting. It was very well described. Like I could, I could almost see it, you know, and, and that was, um, that was the kind of thing where, like, I'm reading the story, like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> so, um, it just had that kind of kernel to it that, that mm-hmm. really, um, and I, I like the narrator. The narrator was very, it was like the style had energy to it. Like, I liked the story, the way the, the kind of the pace of it, but I did think that there was, there's a little too much to it sometimes, but yeah, I also thought it was 
a little overwritten and the style actually got to me particularly at the beginning like i kind of started off on a sour note while reading mm, it i guess mm -hmm. because it felt to me like I, I had gotten onto a bus and i was like having <laughs> being forced to listen to somebody's phone conversation <laughs> From one side <laughs> so only. True. And so I'm like, wait, what's the question? I don't know what the question is. Why am I getting an answer? What are they talking about? Yes, that's a really good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> and so the way it began, it, it gets, it got better. And uh, once you figured out what was going on right. and such. It did. Yeah. But at first I was really kind of annoyed. Um, yeah, I understand. And so, yeah, yeah, this was one of the ones I I didn't dislike it per se, but I, it, it wasn't. Yeah. A favorite either but the yeah the symbolism of the uh the flowering and what that meant for flowering resistance or freedom and then also like just the relationship between the sisters and such i thought was interesting yeah yeah i'm trying to think what it, it made me think of of something i had watched recently uh like a story i can't remember what what it was uh, it maybe it was something from the um electric dreams i think it's on amazon prime that we watched oh, recently okay. But anyway, but you liked these two that I didn't get a chance to read, uh, Paulina and I Have a Secret. So tell us about those. So Paulina is one of the ones, um, so translator who we've talked about many times, Toshia Kamai, actually emailed us and let us know about and also gave us access to be able to review some of the short stories that he had translated. And so Paulina... I don't want to say too much about it. Um, it's basically a dystopic um, speculative fiction story that takes place in a future Buenos Aires. And it's at a time where employment is not easily attained and a lot of rights, particularly the rights of women, are being restricted. And so I don't want to say more about the plot than that, but it's a really timely story, I thought. So it connected just because it's the issues in it are all about things like immigration and citizenship and female rights. And so from that perspective, I thought it was, and it was done well. It wasn't just, you know, let's deal with these themes because they're important now. It was done in an interesting kind of, it was done in an interesting way um, that was character driven. Um, and so I thought that one was just worth checking out because it's not one of the ones that necessarily you'll be able to freely get, but it's in Moon City Review. Um, which you should be able to find online. And then he also, I don't want to talk too much about this one, but um, he also let us know about two leaf novels um, that he translated from Japanese author Yoshiro Takayusu, uh, published in Delos, a journal of translation and world literature. And for these, they're basically a pair of short fairy tales where the Japanese author is kind of taking the classic kind of form of fairy tales, but imbuing them with uh, modern themes. And so the stories themselves were neat, but they're actually followed by a long sort of biography and explanation behind them that he calls these little stories leaf stories because they're short enough. They're almost like flash fiction. They're short enough that you could fit them onto a leaf and there's a bit of information in there as well that the word in Japanese for uh, word, so literally their Japanese word for the, the word word, is actually a compound word that is a combination of talk and the Japanese um, word for leaf. 
um, as well as being fragment. And so it's like leaf fragment then also then kind of translates to word. Um, and it's a th- collection of words. And so it's like, I thought it was just cool because it's dealing with translation. Just it's, it's very meta, you know, yeah, it's like dealing with so the cool. etymology of words, but putting those words in translation, but then also being a story uh, or a fairy tale. So me i've never been a huge fan of fairy tales um but there's lots of people out there that you know adore them and so if you are an aficionado of um fairy tales throughout the world and how they're done these are short and you know what you'd expect from a fairy tale but kind of in a in a neat way that has modern things in it that you wouldn't expect to see in a you know an older fairy tale per se i like reworked fairy tales yeah the first, if I recall, the first is kind of about intercultural relationships. The second, uh, amongst other things, the second one's kind of like has a lot of environmental type themes in it and ecological stuff. That's cool. Yeah, I need to I need to read those. And so, yeah, I have a secret. I reached out to the translator of uh, this story. So it's I Have a Secret by Raquel Castro, translated from the Spanish by Lawrence Schimmel. And so I reached out to him on Twitter, just asking, you know, hey, this it's not, you know, freely available. Could for the review, um, could we possibly get a copy? And so he put me in contact with the publisher, who very kindly sent me the the whole collection of Tales from the Shadow Booth number three. Nice. And I'm just excited in general. That's the that's the one story in translation in this collection, but the whole collection has a lot of stuff that really interests me. So I'll probably end up reviewing that for uh Skiffy and Fanny or somewhere. But he let me know that they intend on doing, that they intend to have translations in every one that they do. Well, that's great. So I was excited to hear that. And so this this particular one, probably, I still haven't read the Yiddish one that we just uh, found out about. Yeah. But of all the other ones that came out this month, um, this was my favorite, I think, because I am a sucker for kind of dark fantasy and horror. And this one just, I thought it was just done so wonderfully of balancing things that are very sweet and very sinister. And so it's a story told from the point of view of a small boy, Emilio. And so it's, you know, the language has all the the things you'd expect from a little child, uh, from a little kid. You know, the run-on sentences, the the stream of consciousness, the the no barrier like, to say what you're thinking. But then... Also, that begins to change because he's thinking things or saying things that adults around him are then, you know, ignoring or saying, oh, that's not important or don't seem to be concerned. And Emilio is concerned because he has a secret and he's just observed his mother who's newly returned from the hospital and she doesn't seem quite right and something seems wrong with her. But all the adults seem completely not bothered by this and you know oh it's just the medication you know she's ill and so as the reader you're also thinking like yeah you know children don't necessarily understand all the complexities but emilio is less sure than about what the adults think and so he finds increasingly he grows up in a way but he finds it not in a good way per se because he begins learning to hide thoughts and the power of lies and the power of keeping secrets then. And maybe there is actually something sinister about the mother. So it's just this perfect kind of mix for me between that innocence of childhood um, and beautiful, beautiful language, 
mixed with horror and something beneath the surface that seems really not right. Ooh, that sounds great. <laughs> I really love that. But without being disturbing to the level of like the story was right. we talked about last month, where you oh, have like incest and I rape and all even, that other stuff. I, I could not um, do, no. This, this doesn't have anything, like even though there's kids in it, there's nothing in it that it's like, you know, good God. <laughs> okay, good, because I can't handle it. Well, let me tell you, I know I've said this before about um about Lawrence Schimmel, but he is just like rock star. He's really nice. He's amazing. <laughs> he is yeah. just rock star, you know, translator from the Spanish. Um so much great speculative fiction that he's translated um from authors from all over the world, Mexico, Spain, Argentina. He's just he's just amazing. So, I'm I, that's great. I'm really glad that you got a copy of that. I really want to I want to read that. He told me he told me about this uh I think a couple months ago cuz he's he's really good about like letting me know stuff. Like he sends me stuff. I'm mm -hmm. like, "Thank you." Right. Otherwise, so that you can put it on there. Yeah, I would never know. Yeah. Um so And they sent me some of the previous ones from months past, I think, too. Um which I'm, I don't think I'll get to them to actually review or anything, but yeah, it was definitely really nice to It's good to have. Yeah. I to see those. <laughs> Eventually, I'll get around to them. Yeah. Well, you know, when you have all your copious time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, I... I The other stories you liked. I did. So, you know, The Last Journey um, by Perluca Florin uh, from Romania. Oh, yes. Yeah, he... Um, you know, I, I posted that on um, the SF and Translation site. I, I really like it because it's kind of like a... You know, it, it, this is kind of like his stuff is, you know, kind of like a mix of allegory and and like thought provoking, um, you know, kind of science fiction meets allegory. And and this was this is very it was a little more kind of lighthearted, um, you know, where people are looking for God and, you know, in this story, they like find him and. And they kind of give him a piece of their mind, you know, but they have to travel through like all kinds of, um, you know, wor like a wormhole type thing. And like, then they, you know, and then it's like, oh, look, it's God. Let's give him a piece of our mind. And um, I just thought it was a really, it was just a, an interesting, you know, nice piece of flash fiction um, that kind of mixed the scientific and the religious and the um, technological and, you know, kind of the human quest to to find god and you know ask you know why why he does all these things <laughs> um and so that was that was pretty cool i, I like that story um i think my favorite of the whole um of the stories this month that i was able to read uh was and i know this is gonna sound weird but it was 77 yeah the that, most that violent me. bloody dark story <laughs> of the whole thing it it was it was pretty great. It so it was it was published in the dark, um, the dark magazine by Francisco Ortega, uh, translated by David Bowles. Uh, Ortega's from Chile, and the story is about. Um, it's based on the the real events um, of the political, kind of like all of the bad things. Yes, happening and. In Latin America, in the um, in the twentieth century, 
especially in Chile when people were being disappeared um, for a couple of decades. And even late 19th. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, and so Ortega takes that, uh, you know, the, the political disappearances, killings, and and constructs a uh, kind of an alternate explanation involving um, like zombification uh, or like using like a, a, a sorcerer to to bring back dead soldiers and to then use them against uh, you know to, to threaten Threats. the other <laughs> the other countries that are that are threatening to invade uh, Chile and um, and this this group of kind of the undead, are, are continually being kind of reshaped because they deteriorate over time. Um, and so every 20 years they go around and there's like 77 deaths in Santiago and then it stops. And each time someone looks into the, into it, like why are like 77 people killed and then it stops for 20 years and then 77 more people are killed. And um, it's, it's it's like it's very haunting it's very well written it is just uh an interesting take on um you know on the conflict that otherwise is evil people doing evil things but it's you know this has like kind of a an extra supernatural element to it i really i really i thought it was very well done so yeah we had opposite opinions this month on this that's funny yeah, what's up with that, Daniel? <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, with both of those, like this one, I love the beginning, love the end, and the middle just bothered me. Like there were parts that I just found really overwritten in terms of like giving an explanation for exactly why things were. The explanation was a little, yeah. I mean, there were just parts that I thought dragged and had too much. Mm -hmm. But then also I just, it seemed odd to me that, you're taking a historical event that has all this atrocity in it and then saying like making an excuse for it in some ways of like oh it's yeah. just something supernatural and it kind of lessens the fact that these were things that humans did to a, to some extent and so i i don't know why but i found that somewhat troublesome and then also like there was like a sense of futility like well you know why fight chile why why stop, you know, Pinochet from being in power or any of these things? Because there's no fighting an army of zombies. Right. And so, right. like, I, I, thought it, I thought it was a cool idea and such. But then also, as I began thinking about it, I was like, this is, I, I had some issues with it. So it was one of those where I, there, there were parts I really liked about it. And then there were other parts where I really didn't like it. So Well, I, I totally, you know, that that is part of what made it kind of, made it very unsettling. I saw Ortega as considering that he is from Chile, like if someone who wasn't from Chile wrote something, wrote this story, I, oh, yeah. I would have been like, that's true. you know, but since that he is, is yeah. Chilean um, and he's writing about his own nation's past, I was seeing it as a way of um, almost a way that, that other people write about, uh, about atrocities and, and genocide of their own people in different way. You know what I mean? Like you're coming at it from a different way where you're you're not excusing anybody, but you're kind of you're shaping it 
in a in a way like you're you're kind of retelling it. I mean, it it, it kind of can help you get through it. You know what I mean? Like kind of getting yeah. past the because in a way when it's when it's like you know it's humans doing this to other humans, and it's it's terrible. Um, but people are always looking for a different reason, like a higher reason. Like, is it is this like the spirit of evil taking over people? Is it something beyond just humans being evil? You know, and and kind of trying to give it another explanation as a way of of understanding why things are happening the way they are. But yes, it can very easily turn into a like is it being flippant, you know, flippant about yeah. something that's uh, that's that's uh, an atrocity. So, I I it raises a lot of really interesting questions. Mhm. And yeah, I guess you're you're right. It's also I mean, it still is it still is people doing this stuff too. It's yeah. just people doing it to people through an intermediary exactly. of supernatural. So yeah, you you are right. Um, but it, as I was reading it, I I just got that sense of like it that troubled me for whatever reason. Yeah, I just kept saying to myself, "Well, he's Chilean, so it's okay." It's like when I read somewhere that I mean I don't remember where it was if it was a website associated with the the translator or him mm-hmm. that um or if it was in the notes after the story or something that like he did this as a way of tackling those things of tackling that history and so i do get it um but as i read it it, it and maybe that's what it's meant to do is make it troubling um it did it much more so than like say something that we're sadly more divorced from now like Nazis, right? You have right, Nazi right. zombie movies. You have just even in Marvel, right, where we put all these extra things onto, like, oh no, it's Nazis wasn't bad enough. We also have to make it um, <laughs> right. Hydra, <laughs> right. and we have to make it the Red Skull and right. all this other stuff. It's like, oh, it wasn't bad enough for you, right? It's got to be um, right. We have to make it. Well, I was, I was going to take it in a similar direction, but you know, Primo Levi, who himself survived the the Holocaust you know, wrote a lot of science fiction, uh, speculative fiction that, that I hadn't known about until recently. And also Stanislaw Lem, you know, I mean, all of his stuff is science fiction, but people read a lot into it about kind of representations of, of robots um, and, and, you know, mob uh, mob kind of actions and things as being very reminiscent of the Holocaust of Nazis you know, kind of allegorical stand-ins, um, and people, you know, some people read that as his way, his the only way he could really come to terms with the brutality that he had witnessed, because he is, he lived it, you know, whereas if someone who didn't live it wrote that, you know, it would be, it would be problematic, you know what I mean? Should we move on to future things? Yeah, I think so. The other reviews, um, i I had thoughts to compare, like, the um, the Romanian author, um, like, from between his two stories and then the other short stories. So if people are interested, they should go onto the site to read about all this. Yes. I try to stay on top of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, future books. So I'm particularly looking forward to um, The Redemption of Time by Bao Xu, so more Chinese SFT. Um, I have read this already, um, prior to, to the final publication, um, and it was, 
amazing, but it was a long time ago that I read it, so I need to read it again. And it, it's in its its uh, three body trilogy fan fiction. Um, that is just extremely high level, high quality. So calling it fan fiction is a little bit not quite a good ex a good kind of description, but it is fan fiction. And Baoshu is, you know, a science fiction writer in his own right. Um, Redemption of Time picks up uh what happened to the the um the person whose brain was launched into space to meet the Trisolaran fleet. Um what happened to him and it it takes it takes the story off in a crazy interesting direction so you know if you liked the three body trilogy redemption of time gives you more to to kind of go on you can continue um continue to to learn what happened to the characters uh and of course legend of the galactic heroes which i've talked about you know a lot um is nearing the the completion um volume 9 is coming out very soon and then volume 10 which is the last one um will be out soon after that so looking forward to finishing that 10 volume space opera from Japan and uh the heart of the circle mm. from anger robot books yes it is it is a work by Karen Landsman from Israel, written in Hebrew, uh, translated, can't remember who the, what the translator's name is, Daniela something. Um, sorry, I can't find it right now. Um, but it is fantasy and it, um, it kind of talks about, um, sorcerers, religious extremists, um, kind of, you know, a battle for like, um, for legitimacy and survival, um, you know, it, it's, it's always interesting and exciting when there's new, um, fantasy or science fiction coming out of Israel written in Hebrew, because it's, you know, a lot of writers that write in English, write straight in English. And, um, you know, Hebrew is a very, very different language than English. It's got a whole other, you know, a different structure. I mean, for God's sake, it's read from right to left, you know, like, you know, just like Arabic. I mean, it's, it's got, it's a different structure, different, um, uh, it's, it's, it's actually very, very recent. Uh, modern Hebrew was put together, constructed from, uh, you know, based on biblical Hebrew, but it's its own kind of, you know, relatively new language. Um, and it has had, it has done a lot of work, um, you know, kind of growing over the decades, uh, you know, adapting to different genres. And, um, it's, it's just so interesting to think about the, the development of, of modern Hebrew and how it tackles science fiction and, um, and fantasy in a way that, you know, that kind of grapples with modern issues where, you know, um, the concepts that, that the language has are maybe, you know, not the same as in English all the time. You know, it's, this is the kind of thing I, I know I'm not explaining it correctly, but it's how, how a language grapples with an issue. You know, English grapples with 
you know, issues of, for instance, uh, time travel differently than, you know, maybe Chinese or, or Native American language or, uh, or Hebrew or Arabic or Polish, you know, just depending on, on, you know, future tense, past tense, uh, how the language is structured. So I'm just always fascinated at, um, at Hebrew SFT and, and the kinds of things that the authors are writing about. So this will be great. I like Karen Landsman a lot. Yeah, so the, the translator is Daniela Zamir. And there's actually a, unfortunately, Angry Robot Books, you need to get more actual translator information on your web pages and the advertising for this. None of the book details or anything had any information on that. But um, they did have a link to a tour.com article that uh, is an interview with Karen uh, Landsman uh, that, that talks about the translation process that seems to be pretty interesting. So Yeah, that's great. I'm looking forward to that. So you are going to be reading Les Contes du Whisky. Right. So Whiskey Tales, um, in addition to Le Poids de la Neige, um, The Weight of Snow that we talked about earlier, this other French translation out this month caught my eye because I like um, dark uh, fantasy and horror fiction. Um, and so this collection from a Belgian author that I hadn't heard of before, um, Jean Ray, um, I picked up a copy of that through uh, the library as well. And so even if I don't get to all of these, I want to read through a few of the short stories that this collection has just to get a sense for um, what his stories are like. And then I'm hoping to also um, be able to get an English version that I might be able to compare to. Um, so I'll have to look into that. But So yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Cool. So uh, as we wrap up, um, in the books needing a translation home... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this, this doesn't quite fit. I mean, it's okay. Um, I'm doing some uh, some more research into kind of just generally what's what SFT is out there, what exists, and the Daedalus book of uh, you name it, fantasy is. I mean, they have so many Flemish fantasy, French fantasy, Portuguese fantasy, just goes on and on. Um, so I was like, oh boy, you know, let me get these from the library. So I got um, uh, uh, Flemish and uh, was it Dutch? I don't remember. Anyway. I thought there was one that was called Dutch and one was Flemish. I mean, even though there's overlap. Dutch and Flemish. Okay. The, yeah. Okay. So so the Flemish one, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm kind of, so I was like, look, just look, I got them mainly for the introductions just to kind of see, because I don't have the time to read all this stuff. But um, I just started reading a couple of the stories because I'm like Flemish, like I know next to nothing about this. And I was reading uh, the story by Eve, or it was actually a, a a selection, an excerpt from a novel by a writer, Yves Petri, um, who writes sci-fi. He's, he's still alive. He's, he was only, he was born, I think, in the late 60s. So he's, you know, he's still writing and, you know, young and everything. And, and, uh, the excerpt was great. <laughs> it was so crazy. Something about a, a guy working in robotics. Um, he has, you know, he's kind of like an emotionless person. He just doesn't have much affect. Um, and so working in robotics is kind of perfect for him, but 
He designs a robot that also doesn't really, you know, the robot has no emotions. And the robot just wants to, you know, kind of maximize its efficiency. And, you know, you know where that's going to, where that's headed, you know. So, um, it, but the the style was so, uh, it was all, it was kind of like someone, like you were saying, you know, someone kind of sits down next to you on the bus and starts talking to you. But this guy's, the style was so engaging that you're reading it, feeling like this person is talking right at you. Meanwhile, you're just, you know, you're reading it. But it's it's just very, um, uh, it's someone who's who's very, in, not just engaging, but someone who kind of ropes you in until you're like, wait a minute, like, what am I, where, where did the time go? Um, so I just really liked it. The translation was just, um, really great. Not that I know Flemish. I have no idea, but, um, but it, it read very, very smoothly. Um, so I want more Eve Petri, you guys. Now there is some, uh, a story on Words Without Borders, uh, from a few years ago. It's quite bloody. It's, it's, I'm not exactly sure what is going on. <laughs> I kind of had to stop reading because I was like, oh boy. Um, I don't, it's not very speculative in terms of it's like, I'm not sure what the context is. So that's why I, I'm not really sure about what that story is. I think it's from another, from another novel. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there, but, um, the, the excerpt, uh, which that I was just talking about called the the straggler um is sci-fi so but the whole thing has And he been, does have other speculative stuff. He does. Yes. Uh not much has been translated so I'm right. I'm just like someone do it. Somebody get on that. Do it. Yes. Um all right. So readers corner, what uh what's going on in your corner? So I got uh the copy of um Mars from Feminist Press so we talk about and so I should be starting that soon. The last day of classes was today. We're entering finals week. Woo-hoo! So somewhat calming down in terms of things that I'm juggling. Um, so yeah, I, it's, a, it's a short collection. So my hope is that you're willing to put up a review of that on SF and Translation website. I don't know. This Daniel Hauser. I'm not sure if I want to publish something by him. <laughs> If I'm not welcome in that venue, I will. I'll go search of another. I'll just put it up on my blog. Um, but yeah, so that's um, of course what's on I will publish plate. <laughs> And then I, I thanks. Yes, that's good. Yes. Um, and then I know you're reading. Uh, I saw on Twitter you're reading um, the Afro SF Volume Three. Yes. And so we were just talking um, from Skiffy and Fanny podcast, the readers, the Reading Rangers series that I sometimes take part in for talking about um, short stories, what to do for this month. And so I think we're going to end up probably doing Strange Horizons, um, focus on Nigeria. The, we want to do like a, a world kind of sci-fi perspective. And so we're doing that because we can get it and it's, you know, relatively short and we can do it with a quick enough turnaround. But I suggested the FRSF3 for perhaps a future edition of it. But yeah, that'll probably hinge on whether um, we're able to get um, copies to read. Um, but there's probably um, interest. I certainly, my interest peaked based off of what I saw from it. Um, 
and even earlier volumes as well, but then what you said. so Oh, it's so good. Just one story after another. Really just great stuff that I just wouldn't otherwise have read except um, Strange Horizons was like, so gonna gonna review after us at volume three i was like okay <laughs> i mean they're okay. they're all written in english uh none of them are translated mm-hmm. uh but these oh none of them are none translated. of them no they're all oh, english okay. I didn't realize that. which is why i wouldn't okay. have read that you know because i don't you know it's like i'm barely keeping myself <laughs> going with the I, I like there's so much to read that's sft that i i don't even get to mm-hmm. you know stuff originally written in english um but uh i'm really glad that maureen um you know, asked me because it's it's just fabulous. I love it. Great stuff. It's it's close enough. I think it's in, good. Yeah, I mean, it's, in terms of the perspective, it's, it's still it's it's not Anglo centric. It's um, but you know, but still like lots of really good mix. You know, fantasy, sci fi, um, just great stuff. So I'm I'm loving it. I'm I'm about halfway through now. So um, write my review soon. Yeah. So anything else this this month? Nope, that's about it for translation, at least. <laughs> cool. Well, everybody, remember to uh, send me and Daniel any and all SFT-related news and links uh, via Facebook, Twitter, email, carrier pigeon, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Rachel at SF and Semaphore. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, tel- telepathy. Um, so you can reach me at Rachel at SF and translation.com. And Daniel, how can people reach you? Um, probably best is Twitter. Um, I have Facebook, but uh, honestly, I like never go on it much other than yeah. very briefly. Yeah. Um, so Twitter, um, and then my email can be found um, easily enough with Google, too. Great. All right. Well, that's it for this month, everybody. Happy reading, and we will talk to you next month. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Speculative Fiction in Translation, a member of the Skiffy and Fanti Network, hosted by Rachel Cordasco and Daniel Hauser. If you would like to contact the Speculative Fiction in Translation podcast directly, please do so at rachel at sfintranslation.com, or you can visit sfintranslation.com. Additionally, you can find Rachel on Twitter at rcordas and Daniel at read1000lives. To find out more about the podcasts on the Skiffy and Fanti Network, please visit us at skiffyandfanti.com. If you would like to support the network, you can do so at patreon.com slash skiffyandfanti. To keep up to date on everything that is happening at the Skiffy and Fanti Network, please visit skiffyandfanti.com slash newsletter. The music from this podcast is No Disclaimer by Jesse Spillane. To find more about this music, please visit freemusicarchive.org.